0: Church, this morning we begin a new series called The Spirit, where we're looking at the person, the presence, and power of the Spirit. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your experience is, what your past experience is with the Holy Spirit, what you've been taught. All of us come with our own misconceptions and ideas. All of us come with baggage. All of us come with uh, maybe uh, past experiences Some good, some not good. I want us to be open to to all that God wants to teach us about the Spirit today. And so let's pray for that. God, would would you help us today? Would you help us with everything in us to pay attention to what we're seeing in Scripture, to let it shape our understanding of the Spirit of God, of your very Spirit? Help us, Lord, to press in and to celebrate what we see there. Would you, Lord, correct any misconceptions or ideas? Would you help us not to be afraid? Would you help us instead to, with faith, trust that, Lord, you're working and you've been working by your spirit, and help us to see it and celebrate it? In Jesus' name, amen. Is the spirit an impersonal force or power, something to harness or control on the level of an it or a thing? Or is the Spirit more personal and powerful than we could imagine? Many people come from a background where the Spirit was overly emphasized and maybe abused. Some come from a background where there was no talk at all about the Spirit. Maybe you're brand new to faith. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You have no idea what I'm about to talk about. And that's okay. I'm glad you're here. The Bible describes the Spirit as God's personal presence with us and for us. And the consequences are staggering. What are some questions that you usually ask when you you meet someone for the first time? You ask them their name, where they're from, what they do. But if you're anything like me, it's that second or third encounter that's more difficult than the first. Maybe you forgot their name. Maybe you forgot where they were from. Maybe you forgot if you even met them before, and with masks, that can be very hard. And in that moment, what do we need? We need a a reintroduction. I believe that we need a reintroduction to the Spirit. And I'm hoping and trusting and and I've been praying that this series will do just that, will reintroduce us to the Spirit of God. There are two things I pray we see in, uh, in today's uh, sermon, first, God's personal presence. Second, God's personal presence with you and for you. First, let's look at God's personal presence. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and the Son are God. He is the third person of the Trinity. Now, this means that God is one, but expressed to us in three persons, The person of the Father, the person of the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing. He's distinct from but equal with God the Father and God the Son. Now, our temptation is to reduce God to a size that our our minds can grasp and control. But to understand the Spirit better, I want us to go back to the start. Let's go to Genesis, the very start. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We'll pause there. Right away, we see that the Spirit of God was present and active at creation, hovering over the darkness and the chaos, bringing life out of darkness, order out of chaos. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. The Greek is pneuma, meaning wind or breath. The idea is is that of an invisible, powerful energy that's necessary for life, like powerful wind or sustaining breath. And from the opening pages of Scripture, we're introduced to God's special presence and his activity by his Spirit. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want us to follow the thread of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible and discover uh, what the Bible has revealed about the Spirit. Now, so we're going to be on a journey here together. We're going to look at several passages throughout the Scriptures here. We're going to follow this thread that is the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. We've begun here in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. But if we follow that thread, we'll find ourselves bumping into individuals empowered for specific tasks by the Spirit of God. People like Joseph, who was empowered by the Spirit to interpret dreams. People like Moses, who was empowered by the Spirit to lead God's people. Later in the biblical storyline, we see uh, a special uh, empowerment given by the Spirit filling these individuals who were called uh, to actually, as artists, to put together the tabernacle, the sanctuary of God. The instructions were given to Moses, and then God, by his Spirit, empowers or fills uh, Bezalel and Aholiab. Say those names. Yeah. Bezalel and Aholiab are found in Exodus chapter 31 and 35. We're not going to read the passage, but it's really cool to discover that some of the first men that we see in Scripture in the storyline of the Bible empowered or filled with the Spirit of God is for artistic design. They're empowered with wisdom and skill and creative genius to design the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is where God was to be worshipped, where God's presence would be felt and experienced, where relationship with God would be restored. And it was located in the heart of Israel's community. And so they were concerned with function and, and aesthetics. And we're learning something about God the Spirit. He's empowering these men in their artistic design. Now, later in Israel's story, King David was empowered to lead and to prophesy, Later on, when Israel was in exile, Daniel was enabled to interpret dreams and to prophesy. And then there was this group of people called prophets, enabled by the Spirit to say what God wanted to say to his people. And then we know that they spoke of a time coming when God's Spirit would actually work in humanity in a new and powerful way, that one day God would establish a new covenant and would dwell within his people by his Spirit. That he would place his law within hearts. This is spoken of in Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 31, and Joel chapter 2. I know I'm making a a lot of references references here, but you can find actually a handout to every sermon on our uh, Sunday handout group. You go to our Church Center app and go to the Sunday handout group, and there's a handout with all of these references. We're following that thread, though, of the Holy Spirit from Genesis 1 throughout Scripture. Once we enter the New Testament, what we find is we we hear of this prophet, John the Baptist, who's preparing the way for the Lord. And he announces that one is coming whose sandals he is not even worthy to untie, who will baptize with the Spirit. And then Jesus arrives on the scene, and what do we find Jesus doing before he launches into his public ministry? He's baptized. And right there, the Holy Spirit was present at Jesus' baptism. And what do we spe- see the Holy Spirit doing? The spirit He's hovering, hovering as a dove. Only this time, he's hovering over the waters of Jesus' baptism. He's empowering Jesus to do what he was called to do. Jesus truly is the anointed one. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. And he's anointed to begin a new creation. He's anointed to begin a new creation. So in Genesis 1, we saw the Holy Spirit hovering over the chaos and the darkness and the waters of Genesis 1, uh, bringing creation about. And and then later on in the gospel accounts, we see the Holy Spirit is present and hovering over the waters of Jesus' baptism, bringing out and beginning new creation through Jesus. Jesus would begin a ministry and proclaim the good news of God's reign, bringing order out of chaos light out of darkness. and Jesus understood that the Spirit of God was upon him, that he was the anointed of God. I want us to read uh, one of Jesus' first sermons out of Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 18, Jesus picks up the scroll of Isaiah, and this is what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in that synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He understood who he was. He knew what his role was. He knew that the spirit of the Lord was upon him and he began to launch into public ministry. Do you remember then what happened in Acts chapter 2? We're following the thread now of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what happened in Acts chapter 2, where the apostles and the disciples were waiting, just like Jesus said, and Jesus said that the Spirit would come. He said that the Spirit would come, that that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they were waiting on a particular day. It was the day of Pentecost. Now, the day of Pentecost was a day of celebration, of the day God entered a covenant with Israel on Mount Sinai. Now, if you remember, uh, this this was the giving of the law. And and so the, the children of Israel were led out of Egyptian slavery to Mount Sinai and God established this covenant 50 days out of slavery. They went to Mount Sinai and God established a covenant with them through the giving of the law. Now, on this day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples, the apostles, are waiting for what God promised. This is 50 days after uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. This is 50 days after Jesus would lead his people through a new exodus, uh, out of of slavery to sin and death. 50 days later, God is establishing the new covenant by his spirit. He's pouring out his spirit. We see that in Acts chapter 2. Now... Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers continue to what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, Spirit they, 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 bring, they bring light out of darkness. They bring order out of chaos. I want you to, I want you to um, hear what's happening here. The Holy Spirit begins in Genesis chapter 1, bringing order out of chaos, light out of darkness. That thread can be followed where he's he's anointing and filling people for special tasks along the way. Then the anointed one is on the scene bringing new creation. And the promise of the Spirit then is given to followers of the one who brings new creation. And that's where we are in the New Testament age. Under this new covenant. The Holy Spirit has often been interpreted as an impersonal force. In part, I think because of the symbolic imagery found in Scripture when describing the Spirit's presence or his work. Examples like, well, the Spirit is described as being poured out. So what is the Spirit? A liquid? <laughs> or baptized with the Spirit. Or symbols like fire, wind, water, or a dove. And so we can think, my goodness, is, is the Spirit a thing? An it? But no, the the scriptures make clear that the spirit has a will, the spirit has a mind, that the spirit loves, and he can be grieved. The The spirit has attributes or characteristics that only God could have. He is holy, that underlines his otherness, that he is set apart in every way. He knows all things, he's present everywhere, he's an active part of creation. He's an active part of salvation, drawing us in and opening up our eyes. He's identified along with the Father and the Son in benedictions, in a lot of other places. I want to show you in Matthew. Turn with you to Matthew chapter 28. Beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There, there he is alongside the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit in addition, uh, the Holy Spirit and God are used interchangeably. We see that when uh, God, uh, when, when uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, they actually are lying to the Holy Spirit, and Peter says you're lying to God. And so there he's, it's used interchangeably. And so the first thing that we're seeing here today in my prayer is that we walk away with an understanding is that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is God's personal presence. Second, the, the Spirit is with you and for you. We want to see now what Jesus said as we follow that thread of the Spirit through Scripture. We want to see what Jesus said about the Spirit. Turn with me to John chapter 14. We're learning about the Spirit today. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now look at chapter 16, beginning in verse 7. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He used used personal pronouns, pronouns. The Spirit is given also by the Father and the Son. And he's given to be our helper, Jesus said. Now that word helper is advocate, comforter, intercessor. Who will be with us, Jesus says, forever. And who is the Spirit of truth. Who will dwell with us and be in us. Jesus goes on to equate him with his very presence, his own presence. Interesting. The Spirit brings conviction. The Spirit guides us into truth. He declares things that are to come. He will always glorify Jesus, and he will speak what is Jesus's and declare it to us. That is what we learn of the Spirit from the lips of Jesus himself. And so we're learning that he makes Jesus known to us and through us. The Spirit will make Jesus known to us and through us. I don't know if any of you have ever worked a spotlight before at a school play or at a concert. um, But the, the one working the spotlight has a big responsibility to keep that light shining on the main character. And that's the role of the Spirit. The Spirit is going to constantly point to the star of the show, which is Jesus. He brings us to Jesus. He reassures us that we belong to Jesus. He teaches us about Jesus. He creates in us a passion and a love for Jesus. He makes us more like Jesus. He enables us to live and to serve Jesus. And he empowers us to be a witness for Jesus. The Spirit of God. God's personal presence with us and for us. He brings salvation. He convicts us of sin. He brings true change. He brings an understanding of the truth of God's word. He empowers us to be witnesses. He comes bearing gifts, amazing gifts, which we'll talk about in the coming weeks, both for our good and mutual edification of the church. Listen, there is no such thing as a follower of Jesus without the Spirit. Ephesians, I love this passage. In Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, and he says, listen, when you heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, this word of of your salvation, and you believed in Jesus, this is what happened. You were sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Any and everyone who believes in Jesus, you're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. And so we have the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actively, personally, intimately involved in the lives of followers of Jesus. He is the Spirit, literally, the life of God. He dwells, he lives within us. He's with us and for us. I want you to think about that. Don't move on too quickly from that. Let it sink in. Let it grab a hold of you. God's personal presence with us and for us. God's personal presence not a force not an it not a thing god's personal presence with us and for us we are experiencing the fruit of this new covenant we've entered into through the death and resurrection of jesus and the pouring out of the holy spirit on each of one who would believe in him it's powerful So as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit with us and within us. We're not uh, just given this small portion of the Spirit at salvation when we become a follower, and then we get more Spirit later on. It's not a two-tiered Christianity, those who have the Spirit, those who don't. That's not what it is. We have the fullness of the Spirit. We're Spirit people walking, hopefully, in and by the Spirit, which we'll we'll talk about next Sunday. Why then are we exhorted and and encouraged, really commanded, to ask to be filled with the Spirit? What is this? I want to turn your attention to one passage that does tell us to be filled with the Spirit. There are others. But turn with me, please, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 18, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. So here's this this illustration. Listen, don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. What happens when you uh, drink too much alcohol? You fall under its influence. It begins to control your actions. You start to live differently and act differently. He's saying don't don't be drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Be increasingly dependent, strengthened by, under the influence of, the Spirit of God. And so church, I can't tell you a prayer that I pray more than fill me, Lord. Fill me with your Spirit. I'm not lacking the Spirit. He's present with me. He's in me. I have the fullness of the Spirit, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying fill me, empower me, strengthen me as I'm walking to uh, uh, talk to someone about the Lord, as I'm walking to, to meet with someone, getting on a phone call, fill me, Lord. Empower me by your Spirit. Help me to live under the influence of your presence, that you're near to me. You're not far, and you're active, and you're personal, and you're powerful. I want to fall under your influence. And we're to ask this repeatedly, persistently. Live this way. What if we live this way as a community? What will it produce? There is a constant drift towards self-sufficiency. A moving away from a dependency on the Spirit. We have to fight against that. There's a temptation to do that, to move away. And so the Bible has been really clear today, I think, that the Spirit is God's personal presence with us and for us. And the consequences truly are staggering. The Spirit is still bringing order in life where there was once chaos and darkness. And He's doing that through you. You, who would be a follower of Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God. As we proclaim the good news of Jesus, he brings order where there's chaos, light where there's darkness, transforming hearts and lives for his glory, setting us on a course of living our lives for his glory, making us new. That's what he's doing here in St. Pete. That's what he's doing through you. We get to be a part of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what we've learned here today about about you, about your spirit. You know it's been my prayer that you would correct misconceptions, that you would help us see the beauty of who you are in your personal presence By your Spirit. Lord, I pray that as a church community, we would be ever increasingly dependent on your Spirit. That we'd recognize that we, as followers of Jesus, are are spirit people, empowered by your Spirit. Help us to live that way. Help us to, Lord, want to be filled under the influence of your Spirit daily in every area of our lives and help us to be mindful, Lord, that you are personally present with us and for us. And all this by your spirit. And we thank you. Amen.